Hey, Podcast World. This is Ramon Sanchez. I'm an associate clinical social worker out in California and host of Desigmatize, a roundtable mental health podcast for professionals I know, members of my community, and some of my friends can discuss topics worth destigmatizing. For this two-episode season opener, I've invited the co-founders of Farewell from Home and Home Euthanasia Service in Bakersfield, California, with hopes of destigmatizing pet grief and loss. First, I will introduce Dr. Juan Alvarado, who is a graduate from the University of Puerto Rico, as well as Ross University School of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Alvarado received his doctorate degree in 2017 and has been passionately doing work for pets in Bakersfield since. Dr. Alvarado agreed to do this podcast to help educate and be supportive of families that are experiencing or are close to experiencing the loss of a pet. My next guest is Dr. Deidre Metzler, who has her doctorate of veterinary medicine from Ross University Veterinary School of Medicine and a master's of public health, emphasizing on veterinary public health from the University of Missouri-Columbia. Dr. Metzler has an impressive history working with pets, especially focusing on animal welfare, and agreed to do this podcast because she believes discussion creates understanding. I'm also bringing my fiance Melissa Cavazos on board due to the severity of how personal this episode is for both she and I. Melissa is a public health student and passionate pet lover from Bakersfield, California. One of Melissa's goals is to shelter various animals to provide them amazing lives. She agreed to do this episode to share how grieving a pet has impacted her and our relationship. And now, here's our episode. All right, Destigmatize Season 2, Episode 1 in this episode. Uh, before we go ahead and get started, I definitely want to go ahead and give a major shout out to all the furry friends and all the loved ones that we've lost that have crossed, that have crossed over the Rainbow Bridge. Um, we can imagine how happy you are now that you are in, you know, you, pro- you crossed over that Rainbow Bridge. We definitely miss you, but just know that uh, you're always in our mind and in our hearts. And uh, we thank you for everything that you've done. Um, so I also hope that this episode is relatable to anyone that has lost a furry friend and that understand we understand the pain that you're going through and uh our very special guests uh, dr metzler and dr alvarado as well as my fiance melissa uh we we've all understood where uh where, what the pain that you've gone through and that you're going through so um i just definitely want to thank the three of you for being here and doing this episode thank you thank you thank so you. um before we get into all the heavy stuff I definitely want to be able to go ahead and talk about your business. So, Dr. Messer, what is your business? Um, and have you seen anything like your business, what you guys have created in other communities? So, our business is Farewell from Home. We are an in-home private euthanasia service. Um, and we predominantly serve cat- cats and dogs, so small companion animals. Um, this is a service that I have seen in other communities, but unfortunately for Kern County, it is not one that is very popular or prevalent. Um, and that was kind of one of the, the main deciding factors for us to start this business together. Absolutely. I know that, um, you know, and, and again, we went through this service and, and I definitely had a bromance moment with uh, Dr. Alvarado <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, and I told him about all of these services and we'll definitely get into um, all of that in episode 1.5. There's going to be a follow-up episode um, specifically focusing on uh, my relationship with Dr. Alvarado and why we're all here doing this episode. Um, but I do know that there was a heavy emphasis, not only during the experience when Dr. Alvarado came, 
but also in your website where you really focus on privacy. Talk right. to me a little bit about that. And Right. So it's actually something that I really try to focus on with my clients when I go into their home. And, you know, it's it's already very difficult. They're grieving. It's, it's, it's a difficult decision, regardless of what the circumstances are. Um, and you're, you're just not going to get that level of attention from the doctors or the staff in, in a veterinary clinic. And, and it's not to throw any shade or shame at, at those that are working the work, doing the work that they do in the clinics. It's just that, you know, when we're in a clinic, we're seeing multiple rooms, we're bouncing in and out of them, we're juggling multiple cases. Unfortunately, we don't have the time, ability, or, or even staff sometimes to give you that private, personalized attention that we really would like to. Um, and that's kind of the, the premise behind our business as well. We want to be able to come and serve you in your home in the most comfortable, peaceful, and private capacity that we possibly can. Is that hard for you personally? You know, it, it can be. It's, it's something that, it's a common statement I get from a lot of my clients. You know, this has got to be just an awful job. This has got to be terrible. And and it's, it's not pretty always. It's, it's not always easy. Um, in some ways, I do find myself compartmentalizing. I kind of have to dissociate um, the, the, the task that I'm, that I'm doing or the service that I'm providing. Um, and I do have moments where I'm crying with my clients. So it's, there, there are definitely times where it's more challenging than others. But overall, I would say that this is kind of a, a gift. Um, we have the ability to end suffering and we can help facilitate that in a way that is, is as peaceful as possible. Yeah. Anything that you'd like to add, Dr. Alvarado? I agree in the part of the privacy, how um, doing not only going to people's home to do the procedure through for from home, sometimes I need to do it in the clinic as well. And I can see the, the huge difference, how people can express their feelings, how you can have the entire family surrounded, surrounding the, the pet in this case, um, and express their feelings however they feel like. Nobody's going to be judging. Nobody's going to say anything. you you can't express yourself without being scared or ashamed of what people will think or, or will hear you if you're crying in a clinic. Or, and, I, and I think that's the main part of why why we started this business, how how people can feel that privacy and express themselves however they feel, however they want at, at home. Right. So for those that don't live in Bakersfield, I, I, I guess the best way to describe Kern County and Bakersfield is like the Texas of California where most of our population is really conservative. Um, and a lot of people don't really agree with mental health services. They don't really agree with what our podcast is doing. Um, but there's some people that do, right? And which is why I'm doing this. Uh, but one thing that I will say about this area is that a lot of Kern Countyans love their pets. The majority of them love their pets in a way that's just unexplainable. Um, so one thing that I really want to go ahead and ask is why do you think that that is? Why do you feel that a lot of people in Kern County have this intense love for, for their pets and reach out to you for your services? I, I would say, or I would argue that it's not just here in Kern County. It's across the board. The human animal bond is, is so incredible. Um, I, I think of relationships with human beings and then I compare them to relationships with animals and, relationships with human beings can be complicated, right? Like you can, you, you have arguments, you have disagreements, there's things that you don't, that you don't get along on. And, and it's just, it can be hairy and convoluted. 
but your, your relationship with your pet, it's just, you come home, they love you, they wag their tail, you know, they meow at you, they, they want to spend every moment that they can with you, and they're so forgiving. You know, you can be mad at them briefly for peeing on the carpet, but realistically, after you clean it up, you're back to loving them again, and, and I think that that is just such an incredible relationship to have, and when you lose that relationship, it is, it can be devastating. Absolutely. They could destroy your shark vacuum, cough off, <laughs> doggy, inside joke and again we'll talk about that in 1.5 but uh but yeah absolutely i i absolutely agree with that statement uh what what about you dr alvarado why do you feel that a lot of uh you know kern countyans and people from bakersfield and people around the nation around the world love their pets so much following the line that dr Mensler was uh, discussing i think i truly believe that pets are a true example of unconditional love it's like you you can scold them. You can be mad at them. They're going to be there right next to you, showing them, showing you that love. So I think that's, um, that's a big thing. Um, growing in a, um, Hispanic community, a Hispanic family. Um, and I'm sure you have, you guys have experienced this too. Like it's very different how maybe like 10, 15 years ago, pets were being treated and how now our pets are living inside the house. I remember growing up, they were in the backyard. So I think that's that's a change that's happening, not only in Kern County, that's a change that it's happening in, in the nation in general, which is a good thing. It's a good thing that we are like providing for a better care for our pets. We see it every time. Um, so I think that that's that's something that it's happening in general, right? Of course, and and we'll talk about like our personal dog Peanut, um, in episode one point five, and and the blessing that you guys uh, were able to provide for us Hazelnut um, on that episode, and, and I'll kind of get a little bit more into that specifically, and and how we're able to go ahead and uh, you know invite these dogs into our home, you know, more than honestly than we invite family members, um, Melissa. I know that, you know, for, for you and I, we've had very few pets and very few animals in our lifetime. Um, what, what is your relationship and love towards these animals and these furry friends? I mean, I've been able to feel that I've been able to feel the unconditional love with all of my pets. I've mostly just had cats all my entire life. Um, it's definitely a different type of love with a dog than it is with a cat, uh, but regardless, like no matter what, like they're they're there for you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what, you know, you're scolding them. They're there for you every step of the way. And so when you lose them, it's just absolutely devastating and crushing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I, I think for me, it's I could have the worst day in the world possible. And then there's just a waggy tail and and a couple of licks to the face and it kind of all goes away. You know, you're able to forget about that horrible day because there's this precious, um, you know, life that's in front of you. That's, um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not your child, but it feels like it. And I, I think you said it perfectly, Melissa. They're, the, they're there with you every step of the way. I mean, you have an animal that's gone through pretty much every life change that you can think of, you know, whether that's going through school, if you've had a child, and then when you end up ultimately losing them, it makes it that much harder because you attribute them to all of those life stages. Absolutely. Yeah. When it comes down to your business, I feel like there may be some sort of, you know, negative stigma that comes associated with with your line of work. You know, maybe there, there's some there are some customers that feel like, you know, you guys may be charging this amount of money um, and you guys are just doing this for the money. Um, I'd like to go ahead and allow you to go ahead and, 
and answer that question. And, you know, are these people right? Or, you know, is, do you do this out of the passion and what you guys feel? I think in terms specifically about the business, um, Dr. Alvarado can probably attest to more situations in regards to that because he does answer the phones a little bit more commonly than I do. But in terms of our field in general, I can tell you there have been numerous times where I've had clients that have basically um, accused me of doing this for the money or charging them certain fees because I just felt like it, not necessarily because it was medically necessary or would be helpful in you know either solving um, some sort of diagnostic mystery. Uh, it's definitely a problematic stigma in our field, and it's actually leading to a lot of mental health issues in a lot of our colleagues. Um, and I could go on for probably several podcasts about that in and of itself, um, but but that alone, that concept alone of us doing this for the money is, is unfortunately misguided. Um, we... We are not doing this to, you know, make some exorbitant profit. Um, if I were to go into a discussion in terms of our cost for our loans for school and then compare that to the cost that um, we are charging for our services, you could easily see that I am not in it for the money um, or that any of my colleagues are in it for the money. Uh, we truly are doing this because we want to help you and we want to help your animal. Yeah. Well, any thoughts on that, Dr. Arado? I agree 100%. Um, in part of, of the business, like Dr. Messer says, um, I, I'm answering the phone the majority of the time, and I have experienced um, both ways. I have experienced people telling me, oh, you're doing this all for the money, or oh, you, you don't care about animals. Um, but on the other opposite end, I, I also had the experience of people telling me, oh, thank you so much for keeping this affordable. Thank you so much for, for be, people being able to 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 have this service done at home. So it, it is a little bit of both ends. Um, when, when we were like um, creating the, the, the business and looking through, through the cost of services and stuff, it's not like in a, in a regular clinic that you have the issue of treating the pet and how much, Oh, I need to do blood work. I need to do x-ray. So it, our services are very specific. Um, so we don't have that issue in the treatment part. Um, but or even I guess just in terms of we, we don't have a brick and mortar facility to pay for that we have to pay for upkeep and, and staffing it's it's kind of a unique it, it is definitely a unique situation and it's definitely um, something that that we are able to 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 provide this service um, yeah, because I, I think the reason why I asked that question is because, again, me as a social worker, I kind of go through the same thing. You know, it's like a lot of therapists, you know, especially the ones that kind of go into private practice are like, oh, well, you know, you're, you're kind of charging your arm and leg just to go ahead and talk to me. And it's kind of I'm fixing my own problems, you know, and I feel like you guys kind of maybe going through the same thing. You know, I, I was going to joke and say, oh, like you guys must be taking advantage of, of you know, us pet lovers. But no, it's not, that's not even the case. You know, the, the reality is that you guys do this because you guys are passionate and, and I actually have a little something for you guys. And and I want you guys to listen to a couple of testimonies for a couple of people that were here the night that you came in, Dr. Alvarado. And, and I hope that everyone that does listen to this podcast is able to fully understand how, you know, how amazing the service was. So go ahead and take a listen and let me know your thoughts. Uh, looking over 
Peanut's passing and her end of life ceremony was a very beautiful ceremony. And Dr. Alvarado made it seem very, very heartwarming and very dear. It was a very a tender moment for everyone there because, of course, Peanut was surrounded by everybody that loved her. And she has left a lasting impact on all of us. And it's just Dr. Alvarado just was, he handled it with grace. And you can tell he's in the right career path because he genuinely cares about not only about caring about animals, but also the owners, because it is a very strong bond between a pet and a person. Um, I had my run-ins with him two months prior when my girlfriend Dulce's dog Nova had to be put down due to a condition called pyometria, and he was the one that walked us through the whole diagnosis, and he was trying his best to try to save her life, and unfortunately, um, he, he couldn't. And it led to doing a similar decision of putting down uh, another beloved doggo, Nova. And I could definitely feel the pain that they had felt, that my girlfriend had felt in within what was going on with Peanut. And for it to be at home with everyone she loves, like I said, uh, it's it was very, very beautiful, more sincere than doing so in an office. Uh, but yeah, like all I can say is thank you, Dr. Alvarado, and continue doing what you're doing because what you're doing is amazing work. And you're an inspiration to Latinos like myself that are considering a career in medicine. And yeah, it's just I can't express uh, enough gratitude towards what he does for not just animals, but also for pet owners. Before I allow you to answer, there's one more. Peanut's last day was an intimate one. She was accompanied by and visited by the people she had an impact on. The neighbor who originally wasn't a fan of dogs made sure to say his last goodbyes because Peanut had won him over. Ramon and Melissa's extended family stopped by and brought their kids to say goodbye to Peanut. Even Melissa's mom drove from San Luis Obispo to say her goodbye. Peanut was special to them. When I opened the door and saw Dr. Alvarado was a vet who Ramon and Melissa were talking about, I knew Peanut was in good hands. Dr. Alvarado was my dog Nova's vet. And the care he gave Nova was nothing short of exceptional. So I knew in an intimate setting like Peanut's last moment, would be special. He is thorough, gives clarity when needed, advocates for his patients because he has the best insurance of them, and maintains his poise even in the most uncomfortable situations. Like a room full of people who just lost their beloved pet. Nova was so special to me. It's unfortunate I had to put her down. But I know she was in good hands which is something that I wondered until we met again with Pina. Dr. Alvarado found his purpose under the stellar veterinarian and an excellent role model. I hope I can match his professionalism when I become a doctor and be able to provide the same comfort he did when he had to break the bad news to me about Nova. So there you go. So screw everyone that thinks that this is just for the money. I mean, those are just two examples of people that were here 
And I mean, they're, you know, we're trying to get some more, but again, this episode was recorded on sh- on such short notice, but I mean, I mean, how do you feel listening to, you know, to, to those uh, two, I guess, testimonials? I, I remember uh, Nova very well. Um, when, when I had to um, do the human euthanasia on Nova, it was on very different circumstances. It was not uh, through for work from home. It was uh, at a local veterinary clinic. And um, it definitely was a case that um, that marked me, that I, I still remember. Um, and, and because of cases like that um, and, 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 and doing the procedure, Unfortunately, um, at a clinic very so often, it's one of the reasons we started for go from home. Felt like we could have done, we could do better. We can we can provide a care um, that people can feel comfortable, um, that can um, have their their family express themselves as as much as as they want, and and not be limiting themselves on 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 how many people you, you want to to have there, have the neighbor, have the, the grandma, have everybody be there. So um, I think that's that was one of the main deciding factors for, for us to, to start for work from home. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't even know what to say. Um, I was not expecting uh, those two testimonies, but um, it definitely feels good that, people think that highly of the service that we're providing because it means that we must be doing something good. So that, that definitely was a good, great surprise. Before I ask you the question, can I disclose your guys' relationship? Yes. All right. You, all right. They're husband and wife, yeah. y'all. Like, I think I might have said that earlier, but uh, I right. might have. I'm not sure. All right. So how the... How do you feel listening to all of that, you know, from your husband or, or about your husband? Uh, you know, it's... I, as I was listening to it and kind of listening to his response, I just, it's, it's kind of surreal because, you know, we met in veterinary school and I just think of the, the late night studying and just all the stress. Like I, I was so stressed in vet school and, and for us so shortly or, or soon after graduating and, and doing what we were doing and having gotten to the point that we are with the support of each other, I just, I am awed. I'm in shock. Not, not necessarily that people think so highly of him and of our, of of the services that we provide, but just that's such a different kindness to hear from clients. Um, I think so many times we hear some of the nasty critical, uh, you know, just like we talked about earlier, you're in it for the money to hear something so sincere and so, complimentary is just it's huge and it means a lot and I know that those testimonies are going to really leave an impression on me as well as on him and 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 really just thank you for sharing that of course yeah Melissa and I we we actually knew about Dr. Alvarado before the services never did we imagine that he was going to walk through our doors and and you know give us the the most awesome experience that again we'll talk about in episode 1.5 stay tuned but um, but yeah that's we we think really highly of both of you. So thank you. Um, anything that you would like to add to that, Melissa, before we move, we move on? Just, I know we're going to touch on it a little bit more later in the next episode, but 
I never thought I could say that saying goodbye to a beloved pet could be also a beautiful experience to be able to do that from the comfort of our house laying on the ground with her because she couldn't move anymore that last those last two hours she couldn't get up anymore and just to be able to hug her and you know in the on the floor and say goodbye the way we did with our friends and with our loved ones there the people that loved her the most that she loved the most was definitely a beautiful experience and I'm beyond grateful that you guys offer this service because it was incredible yeah it is peaceful comfort private is is a key business plan uh for uh the in-home uh service that is known as farewell from home um and and i definitely felt that Mm -hmm. so i do want to go ahead and transition on and talk a little bit about what is pet euthanasia and what does that mean so unlike in humans in California in 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 veterinary medicine we have the ability to end a pet's life with chemical injection. Euthanasia in this manner is the most humane way to go about ending their life. Um the reason for doing so can be quite variable. The particular focus that we have for our business is for terminal illness. Um, However, we have noticed that there has been a need for other areas. Um, Sometimes it can include behavioral issues that cannot be addressed uh, through training or medical management. Um, And other times it can be a matter of uh, inability to provide extensive medical care for. So, While our initial intent was for terminally ill um, or extremely elderly patients that had a decline in quality of life, our services actually have kind of inadvertently expanded a little bit. But um, overall, in terms of what we do with euthanasia, we do a chemical injection. There are other methods, but this is the most humane. Is it? I mean, is it... In a sense, because I mean, I, I, I felt it too, like, and, and it's weird, right? Because I felt like, man, are, what, what would you say to the owners, like myself and Melissa, that are, were like, did we do the right thing? Because I think there was a moment for us that we yeah. felt that we, we did, we fucked up. And that's, that's like the, the question of like every, every single owner that we encounter, it's, it's so... I'm going to use the term normal because it it's so common. Um, it's and it's never a black and white, easily determined question or answer. You're you're never going to have, at least for the most part, you're never going to have like a clear, um, confident answer to that. At least within yourselves, you may have an animal that is literally on its deathbed having what we call agonal breaths or kind of like the the last breath that they may be taking and you're still going to question whether or not you made the right decision. I sometimes have that, you know, even with like my own pets or some of my patients, I have these just insane scenarios that I run through my head and and even though I'm medically trained and I I have confidence in the medicine that I practice, I still will second guess myself and and I completely understand where where they're coming from and feeling that way. Um 
So I think for the most part, we we try to collect information from the owners and try to gather a little bit of history and and kind of talk through what their day-to-day life was like with their animals and see, you know, is their quality of life declining? Um, I would say overall, between the two of us, in our opinion, we would prefer that you make this decision maybe a second too early rather than a second too late. Because if it's a second too late, then more than likely your pet has been suffering. And we, we really want to mitigate that. Absolutely. Wanting to expand a little bit, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to bring the example um, with Peanut. Um, of course. When um, we were talking about the appointment for Peanut, we, we talked over the phone at least a couple of times, maybe a little bit more. And how, without knowing or seeing Peanut before... I felt like through the conversation that I had with you, uh, Ramon, I could even get to know Pina a little bit without even seeing her. Yeah. And and you explained to me what was going on with her, what was her diagnosis, how she has been doing in the last couple of weeks, couple of days, how her life has been changing in the last 48, 72 hours, and, and how the goal or why we do this is to end suffering because that's the end goal. We don't want our beloved pets to suffer at all. And and that's what euthanasia is. That's what humane euthanasia is. How we can help our beloved pets transition in a way that we can um, mitigate or, or decrease suffering and pain as much as possible. Yeah, no, I agree. And right now I'm, I'm getting emotional just kind of thinking about our conversations because we did talk about three or four times and it was... Uh, it was interesting to have our conversation. And again, for you, it may, have been, it may have been business. For me, it was like a bromance moment where I was able to go ahead and vent and, and allow myself to be vulnerable with you. And and we talked about um, about Peanut um, and, and her condition, the prognosis, the diagnosis. Um, and, and you were so just open to just stopping your life to come over, you know, and, you know, putting everything that you had that was going on that day on pause so you could go ahead and come over and, and do the service for Peanut. And, and it was intense. Um, it was intense to kind of think about. But but I definitely agree with you, Dr. Metzler. You know, I definitely, I, I know, I definitely know that there are friends that we have that have said, man, like, you know, we, we should have taken this route and, and euthanize. And, and, uh, and yeah, I definitely agree with, with the fact that we made the right choice by, by doing it a second too early so she doesn't have to suffer. Because, you know, I think this dog, um, and again, we'll talk about it a little bit more, this dog was born with this condition, and, and you know, and I think she may not have been suffering. This was what she knew, but uh, but we definitely didn't want to get there. Well, and I think, too, there, there are some challenging factors to this as well. And, and unfortunately, I didn't get the opportunity to meet Peanut, but um, animals can be very stoic. They don't want to let you know that things are not great. You know, they, they want you to think that everything's fine, and, and they can hide a lot until the very end. Um, and so that can be deceiving for owners. You know, they think that everything's fine. And then suddenly I, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard clients say, well, just yesterday they were fine. And today it's just, this is a bad day. Um, it happens so suddenly it does. And, and, and I believe them because their animals don't want them to know that they're suffering. They, their animals want them to know that everything's okay with them. Um, and, and so I, I can, I try to ease their pain with that as well, because it is a common occurrence where, where it seems like everything seems all good and fine. We're chasing the ball. We're eating great. And then the next day is where we just seem to have a sudden decline. Yeah, I could definitely agree with that. 
Yeah. So maybe not so much in Kern County, you know, since this is, you know, per se your guys' turf, but would you encourage other vets or other individuals to go ahead and create a service like yours or maybe you guys expand to other communities to help destigmatize the idea of end of life care for for pets in other communities i think um dr metzler mentioned earlier um there there's already services like this that thankfully are 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 happening in in other parts of the nation Uh, there's different companies when we launch our website actually we had um several classmates um, that reach out to us um, regarding the service and, and kind of like asking how the process was like asking um, our opinion and and, and kind of like more interested in knowing of, of what we do, what the service that we provide, because it is something that not only us, I think a lot of, a lot of veterinarians would like to help pet and and pet parents on this transition so i I think it's something that that it's very present in in the field and and hopefully something that will continue to to expand and hopefully many other um people can can offer the service and and many more people can actually um, benefit from the service as well yeah absolutely let's talk about the process of euthanization of euthanizing a furry friend you know um you did a really good job at explaining it to us that night and and what you were doing and you know i think it was like it was it was interesting right like i i could relive that moment and and it just feels like yesterday that it happened and there was a part of me that wanted to punch you for for messing with my dog right but then there was that so part <laughs> yeah oh yeah so did arthur our, our, our cat he actually uh it, it, that again 1.5 is going to be a great episode <laughs> but um but you did a really good job at explaining you know what you were doing and what our little peanut was feeling talk to us about the process of euthanizing a furry friend what is that procedure i am going to explain how we do it because it might not necessarily be the same as it's done by other veterinarians or colleagues or or in a regular practice um so first thing that we usually do we will give a injection underneath the skin that will be a pain medication and a sedative um the goal is to have a smooth or as smooth as possible transition from being completely alert and awake and um, to, to get sedated. That way, that should be the most that they feel through the entire process. Once the pet is sedated, not feeling any pain, then we proceed to have um, place a catheter so we can have access to um, the vein. Then once that happens, we will induce a plane of anesthesia to get the, the pet completely unconscious prior to the actual euthanization process. We we decide to do it this way in order to have a transition as smooth as possible from completely awake until they they pass. Does it hurt them at all? The they can have a reaction to the initial injection. It, but it's not any more than giving vaccines. We actually use smaller needles than it's typically used for vaccines. So, yes, there can be a reaction, but the pain, it's minimal. So, essentially, what we can compare that to as humans is being able to go ahead and get your flu shot. 
Right. And actually in that initial injection, we do include um, a medication that helps mitigate pain as well. Because if if you have an elderly pet or, or a pet that's terminally ill and they are in some level of pain, we want to alleviate that much as, as much as possible. Which I think Melissa could, you know, could attest to this. I don't think that peanut felt any pain at all. No, I don't. I don't think so uh, either. At that point, she had been. I think she was ready to go because that last hour before uh, Doctor Alvarado showed up, she had completely just pretty much collapsed at that point, and she she didn't get up ever again. She didn't even try. She got up for every single visitor that came, um, except ex- Doctor Alvarado. Except Doctor Alvarado. So she was ready. So I don't think she didn't even react i don't think she felt anything at that point yeah her personally so you give him the sedative when when did my peanut go pee pee like where, where did that happen because my peanut <laughs> went pee peed at some point yes and and it happens the majority of the time to be quite honest and and usually when it happens is after we give the anesthetic agent so their body becomes extremely relaxed they become unconscious so at that point, usually they lose control of many body function and and holding the urine, it's one of those functions that, that they lose the capacity and a lot of times they urinate on themselves. Do you remember what you said to me when, or to us as a family when, when Peanut left? When she took her last breath? To be quite honest, word by word, I do not. Um, but I, it probably was uh, on the lines of she is not suffering anymore. Yeah, it was that. And that was the world for me, man. That was uh, that I was expecting her. I was expecting you to say she's no longer with us. Something along those lines. And that sentence did a world for me um it made me feel great um and and i can't thank you enough for for that moment because i was expecting something different i definitely reacted a certain way after uh, we said our goodbye but again that's for the next episode um i do want to talk about what is a communal cremation and a private cremation so to be clear, we are only offering the euthanasia as well as pickup of your pet if it has already passed. We actually outsource our crematory surfaces. Um, so the, the crematorium that we utilize offers either private or communal cremation. Communal cremation essentially means that your pet will be cremated with other pets. Um, so the cremation process still happens. It's just that you're not going to be able to get your individual pet's ashes back, returned back to you. Um, the cremation process is identical other than the fact that it's not done, um, in isolation. So it's not individually performed to where you're able to retrieve the ashes back from your pet. Gotcha. If, if I can add something, um, a lot of times people also ask, oh, so what are, what is happening with with these ashes and like Dr. Metzler says, we do not own um, our our own crematorium. We outsource the service. Um, but what usually happens, or what happens when when the communal service is selected by the owner, because a lot of time people ask me, "Oh, what's going to happen with those ashes?" Um, there is um, the service that it's being 
provided the ashes get all collected and then they will be um, scattered um, at sea. There is a company that it's um, hired for for this, and that's what happens with the with the ashes versus the private cremation. The pet will be um, cremated by itself. That way, we can isolate the ashes and um, be able to return them back to the owner. Yeah, it's interesting to think about that when we talked about the cremation. I, I literally gave you my dog, and and, and there was a. Re- I, I just wasn't mad at you when you took her. You know, I, our little dog. She had a little tongue out, um, and that was her signature move. Uh, but I wasn't mad at you, and then and you told her, "Hey, I'll be back with the you know with the ashes because we did the we, we did the private cremation." Um, but, but it was interesting to read the, the communal cremation and, and now knowing how specifically what happens with those ashes, that's, that's really awesome. Uh, I've done episodes in the past focusing on grief and lost, uh, on this podcast and plan to do many more, but I'll be honest, it's never crossed my mind how hard it is to deal with the loss of a pet. Never did I imagine that I was going to go ahead and cry. This is the first time I've cried on a podcast. Um, and I've done some extremely difficult episodes. Um, and again, it's been a very interesting couple of months uh, for both Melissa and I. I'm curious to know from your viewpoint, why is it so hard to deal with the loss of a pet? And how can it impact one's mental health? I think it's going back to to the unconditional love. When you, your, your love, like, the way that a pet loves you and when you love that pet the same way it's obviously never easy to to lose a family member but then how that pet it's there it's many times you're confident it's 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 there for you pretty much for everything losing that companion it it's very difficult um so i i think we sometimes suffer that pain of the loss more than if we were losing an immediate family member gotcha any thoughts on that dr metzler i mean i will give you a personal account um i had my cat tila um i got her when i was in undergrad it was my second or third year of undergrad i can't quite recall now Um, and she had been with me through a lot. She had been with me through multiple relationships. Um, she had been with me through a recession. She had been with me to where she moved to a foreign country to go to vet school with me and then to Oklahoma for us to do clinical year. And I knew she had an underlying condition and I knew that she most likely would end up with a shortened life, but I just didn't, I, I didn't recognize the signs and even though I was a vet student and I should have recognized the signs, I was beating myself up over it because I was working 16 plus hour shifts on rotations by myself and my husband, well at the time my boyfriend, uh, was already here in Bakersfield working and so I was alone in this apartment in Oklahoma working myself raw and my only companion left me. And I had to make the decision pretty much on my own um, to euthanize her. And as I was euthanizing her, you know, I was in the ICU at the university and I'm sobbing, sobbing. I'm a wreck. And everybody flees like cockroaches. And I don't think I've ever felt more alone in my entire life. Um. And it, it, it goes down to 
many things. One, the companionship that she provided, but also just the simple fact that I, you know, in that moment was feeling kind of incompetent because I knew that she had an underlying condition and I knew that this was going to be happening at some point. Um, but I felt like I didn't do enough. I wasn't working hard enough. I didn't pick up on the signs quick enough. Um, and so it just added a whole extra level of guilt and shame and grief. And I, I think, you know, in and of itself, losing a pet can be very, very challenging. Um, I think in terms of mental health for our profession, particularly with our own pets, I, I would say that we as veterinarians can be even harder on ourselves because we have this high expectation of ourselves to be able to fix and cure absolutely every single thing, even in our own pets. Um, and so I, I really, I think it's how I can relate to a lot of my clients in the sense of, I, I know what that loss is like and I, I want to make this as easy as possible for them. Yeah, I, I could definitely vouch for, you know, Dr. Alvarado. The reason why we knew about Dr. Alvarado was because he was actually beating himself up about Nova. Um, and we, we heard the stories about that. So so I, I definitely I definitely understand what you're saying. And, you know, Melissa and I could empathize with, you know, being feeling alone and even, you know, us in a relationship. There were moments even where we were together where we felt alone. Um, and that was definitely difficult as well. And, and I know that whenever... Um, we lost Peanut. You know, Melissa is actually. This was my first pet loss. Um, Melissa actually had a loss with um, with her cat Ernie. Uh, prior to that, she's also dealt with uh, with some other losses, some other cats. Um, how do you feel that grieving the loss of a pet has impacted your mental health, that, if any? Well, it definitely takes a toll on you emotionally, me personally at least, um, and. Grieving Pina and grieving Ernie was just two different experiences. So um, Ernie, I actually had him since I was 12 years old. And I had him up until right before COVID hit in 2020. He was 14, about to be 14. Same thing. He was there through relationships, breakups, growing up, my first job. He would greet me every day when I got home. Just a wonderful, wonderful pet. And um, I also felt a lot of guilt, you know, not taking care of him better because I had moved out at that point and he stayed at home with my mom because that was his home, you know? So that took a huge toll on me, um, not being able to say goodbye actually to him because he just, I think he might have left to go peacefully somewhere else on his own. So I never got the closure I think I needed on what happened to him. But looking back, you know, he had lost a lot of weight and he just disappeared so I had a lot of guilt and um, it was really, really hard and, and Ramon was there for me um, and he he didn't really understand because he hadn't dealt with that, you know. Um, so it wasn't until this happened with Peanut that we both have been able to kind of grieve together and also grieve alone because there were times where we both felt alone in the situation. So um, it's it's definitely a different experience going through it together versus separately. Um, yeah, it's, it's been really, really impactful. Yeah, absolutely. What should your customers expect emotionally from your services? I think the one thing I, I really want them to know 
I am not coming to their house to judge them at all. And I, I really get the impression from at least a fair number of clients that they have some level of shame or, or something that they need to excuse themselves for. Like, I'm so sorry, I'm crying. I'm so sorry about the mess. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I, it, it almost makes me feel uncomfortable that they feel that it's necessary to apologize to me. I, I'm coming to them to help them and I am not in any way, shape or form judging anything about what I am entering into. I am well aware that what they are going through is difficult and I want to be open and understanding and receptive and, and, and that is my goal with this, um, with this service. Uh, and it's, it's something that, that I hope that my clients are experiencing when I go into their home and doing this. I agree 100%. Uh, when we are going to people's home, people are being, I mean, you're, you're showing yourself in a very vulnerable situation, right? And, and it's never our intention to, to judge. It's not our intention to judge. It's our job or, or what we want to, to help you out is making this situation as peaceful as possible. Like you don't need to be apologetic for anything. If you want to cry, cry. If you want to yell, yell. If you want to hit the floor, hit the floor. It's, it's not, we are not here to judge you in any way, in any capacity. We are here to be a tool. We're here to help you on your pet to transition in a peaceful way. Awesome. How the fuck do you guys do this every single day? Like, I mean, this must be mentally exhausting. How does, how do the services that you provide impact your mental health? I think it definitely can impact the, our mental health in, in, in many ways, but how I see it, how I can do this every day. I try to see the positive part of it, how I can end suffering, how I can do this peacefully, how I can make your pet comfortable and and many times at the end of the service the the words that i have from the clients or pet owners is thank you thank you for doing this peacefully thank you for helping my pet thank you for relieving the suffering and i think if we stick to that and if we focus on what we're doing is actually an act of help or, or ending suffering it helps us out to deal with the with the difficult part that we're doing we are unfortunately ending alive but how i personally see it not only through farewell from home how i see it in general in, in, in the veterinary service it is i am doing this to end suffering i personally don't want to to suffer i don't like pain so this is an acceptable, <laughs> I can to this is an acceptable <laughs> way when i cannot relieve suffering or pain in any other way to do so is he a big baby when he's sick? Um. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what about you, Dr. Metzler? How, how do you do this every single day? You know, how, I, how do these services impact your mental health? You know, it's, I agree with my husband. I, there, there is, there's so much good that can come from this, that, that we can provide relief, not only to the pets, but to the owners. I, 
there have been scenarios where you know you have somebody that's been managing a chronic illness that the owner's been cleaning up vomit and diarrhea for the past several months and they've been trying all these different medications and they're just trying to get their animal there and that type or that level of caretaking just relieving that owner from that can be huge um and i know that that can kind of seem awful like oh well you're just you know this is a convenience or or you're trying to make it easier on on the owner but it can be very taxing physically and emotionally on owners to to need to care for a chronically ill pet and and also on that pet if if they're not able to have some semblance of of what they previously had or or you know have some semblance of a quality of life then then i think the fact that we can help alleviate that from them is is great and and don't get me wrong i have had a fair number of houses that we have gone to particularly ones that we've gone to together sometimes and I get in the car and he just kind of looks at me like, you know, are, you, are, are we okay? And and sometimes I'm I'm not. I mean, I've had. It, it's always it it always tends to be the elderly ladies with the cats. I think because I can relate to that. I just I I imagine myself being them and and I'm taking their companion from them and it just it hits me hard because I see myself being them. I see myself being that that older lady with, with the old cats, cat lady, the old cat. I mean, I am that now, but <laughs> <laughs> I just that that really that one tends to hit me because not only do I see it myself, I also see it like in my grandmother and, and other family members. And and I know how much their animals mean to them. And 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 so sometimes I, I kind of take that to heart. Talking about that, I mean, how annoyed is, is, is it annoying when family members come up to you guys be like, hey, what's up with my dog or what's up with my cat? So, you know, we're talking about mental health and. I have to say, I've gone through. I've gone through some pretty rough patches, um, somewhat recently myself, where I feel like I've lost my identity. Um, I've felt like my identity is veterinarian and only veterinarian, and part of that's my own doing. You know, I'm a workaholic. I work many jobs, and and many people in this community only know me because they have met me as a veterinarian. Um, but when I have people that I've known for quite some time or, or people that I have known that I thought were friends and it really seems like they're only reaching out to me for vet advice, it, that to me can be very mentally draining and, and it, it can be hard that I can take that very personally sometimes because deep down, I know it's not their intent. I know that they're not reaching out to me only on those times just because they need something from me, but my brain does that to me. I think that I'm not important to them unless they can get some sort of use out of me. And so that has been something that I have kind of over time struggled with. Gotcha. Is that something they could relate to Dr. Alvarado? I, I agree um, with, um, with my family reaching out for, for um, pet care or, or information. I don't see it as much since my family, it's not nearby. Like there's at least a couple of airplanes in between. So I don't experience that as much. I feel like Dr. Metzler experienced that a little bit more than me. Um, but there definitely has been times that um, family members reach out to me. Hey, can what do you think what's going on? And and I I don't think they are doing it just to like get an answer and and just like solve their problems. A lot of times they just need to hear my expertise as a veterinarian 
on somebody that they trust. I am not going to give a diagnosis over the phone. I am not going to make a diagnosis based on a picture that you're send, sending me. And I have good friends that um, from, from undergrad that we stay in touch and we don't talk necessarily as often. We still stay in touch and there's sometimes that I get a text message from, from some friends. Hey, what do you think about this? And I can give my my expertise or my opinion, but how I always end the conversation is you should take it to a clinic to get seen. You should take it to a clinic to get evaluated. With um, with my background, with a lot of my friends from, from undergrad, many of them, they actually went into medical school, human medical school. So I feel they understand that too. So I, I don't experience that as much. And my immediate family, none of them have currently have pets. So... I, I just don't don't experience that as much, but I I try to see it. It's they're just looking for the opinion of somebody that they trust, mm-hmm. and, and and I just try to see it that way. Yeah, Doctor Metz, so I could definitely agree with you. I think that my identity is uh, as the male therapist, right? And people come to me with, uh, you know, looking for some sort of free therapy, and and I could definitely relate to that. Uh, so thank you for sharing. And I just definitely want you both to know that if you guys accept the invitation, you guys are invited to game night and barbecues whenever. <laughs> Thank you. So um, how do how do you guys as vets take care of your mental health? You know, kind of dealing with the with that, you know, the heaviness of that, of of dealing with, you know, other individuals just identifying you as strictly the veterinarian, not the human being. How do you guys take care of your own mental health? And again, um, one example for me as a social worker is that we have weekly supervision groups where we're able to go ahead and do consultations and share and be able to express things that are happening either in pop culture or in everyday life. And we're able to go ahead and consult and, and take care of one another in that sense. Do you guys do anything to take care of yourselves or is there any resources like that? I'm sure there are some resources out there. Um, to be honest, I I think I do a terrible job about taking care of my mental health. Um, I'm going to be honest. Um, Dr. Messer mentioned it earlier. Uh, she's a workaholic. Um, I totally am a workaholic too. And I know that's not good. And I definitely, I, I cannot give you an example of something that I do to take care of my mental health. I am terrible at that. And it's, I mean, it's a discussion that we've had pretty regularly. Like we, we've, tried to work on that in our relationship on a regular basis, but, and it's hard because we love what we do. So then we get into this cycle of, well, we work more because we like what we're doing, but then ultimately it's our work that really kind of deteriorates our mental health in some ways. And we don't have a way to recharge. Um, so I guess I would say for us specifically, it's definitely a work in progress. Um, there are resources out there, but I can't say that there has, substantial as other fields. Um, there is a movement and an organization called Not One More Vet that has been established. And the reason that has been established is because the suicide rate in the veterinary community has been tremendously high. Um, and part of it is because we are not good at taking care of our mental health. Um, they're growing and getting so much better about providing resources to us, but um I think as a whole, the veterinary community has a lot of work to do in terms of improving mental health. Yeah. 
I, I could I could agree with that. And again, for anyone that needs it, nine eight eight is a really good support uh, resource uh, for anyone that is thinking about suicide. Uh, definitely text or call that number. Um, but definitely take care of you guys yourselves. And again, game night and barbecue nights are here. <laughs> I, I think for us as a couple, some something that we like to do, um, we like to travel. We like to like experience like new places. So whenever we can take some time off, uh, we always make a point of trying to, to travel and, and have a different experience. Um, so I think that's something that we do together, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like <laughs> as we've been traveling as professionals, we tend to run into natural disasters <laughs> and uh, a few other things that can't help me think, but okay, is this mother nature or the universe telling us we're supposed to be back at work? Like what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, one of the questions that I have for you guys, and again, I think that this kind of goes into like the cultural perspective of, of grief, right? And how some cultures deal with grief a little bit differently. But there were so many people who did not understand the pain that we're in, that we're still going through, even close family members. Um, you know, they, they kind of, I don't, I don't know how to say it, you know, not mock, but they don't fully grasp what we're feeling. You know, it's kind of like, oh, it was just a dog. Oh, it's just a cat. Oh, it's just a pet. And like, no, it's not. But I don't want to get into it with you guys because... I'm going to say some very hurtful shit, um, and I don't, you know. What advice would you give to those that are dealing with loss of a furry friend but don't have the support from people they would imagine would be supportive? So we actually have a handful of resources on our website that are specifically geared towards uh, pet loss and pet grief. Um and I'm hoping to expand that as more resources become readily available. I think that trying to find at least one person in your circle, whether that's a family member, a friend, somebody that you feel like you can confide this information is, is, is really going to be critical. Um, unfortunately, you, you can't make everybody understand what you're going through, but if you can at least have that one person that you can confide in and be your true self and allow yourself to grieve in front of them and, and discuss what you're going through, I think that that's going to be incredibly helpful for you. Right. Any any thoughts on that, Dr. Alvarado? You know, there's some people that I think that we, we definitely needed the support of and we didn't get. Um, what are your thoughts when it comes down to that? I think finding somebody that has gone through the process or finding somebody that you trust and and sometimes you just need somebody to listen to you and 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 finding finding that person that that will listen to you maybe that have gone through it and that understand that pain that you're feeling it that's that's just can be enough like I think sometimes it can be a um, a cultural thing. It can be a generational thing. Um, I'm going to put a, uh, an example. Like when I started um, as a new veterinarian, many times I, I, I would like talk to my dad over the phone and how he 
kind of like asking me, oh, how, how the work go today? And I will like present the different like things that I did, different cases. And, and many times like his response, like, oh, um, how much that, that it costs? Like how, how much money is like, it doesn't matter. Like people bring their pets to us because they, they care People bring their pets to us because they are, they see them as a family member. Um, and I, I feel like that's something that I see it on my family, on, on my dad, how he didn't really like understand that. And it's more because of how the circumstances that, that he grew. Like I mentioned earlier, I never thought that my pet, my, my animals were going to be pretty much 24-7 inside our house, how they were like, sleep in our bed right because we kind of grew up with yeah, their, the, their the, fetal lices they're yeah, outside they're outside. <laughs> yeah. they're outside and they they eat they are drinking they you they you feed the dog nowadays like for us like our pets they're our kids so we don't we don't have kids so i think if, if 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 you're going through something like this and you don't you don't have that support from from family members don't necessarily judge or, or think like oh they don't care i think it's also like the circumstances that they they were exposed or how they grew and and you just need to find somebody that can understand or that has gone through the same thing or has the same mentality or vision that you have and i think that could definitely help with with the process awesome i would also add that there are actually a lot of online forums, Facebook groups that people can join that I actually joined um, that deal strictly with pet loss and grief. So I, luckily we did have a lot of support with family and friends, um, but I also found that in moments where I was feeling really vulnerable and, you know, didn't want to reach out to family and friends, I would find comfort in getting on that Facebook pet grief loss and just talking about peanut and and conversating with people who were grieving the exact same thing with me so that was really helpful too and, and these are strangers you don't even know these exactly. people but they can relate to what you're right. going through so right. just having somebody that can relate to what you're going through i think it makes a huge difference yeah. agreed absolutely thank you i want to go ahead and just do a final round table Final thoughts as we conclude this episode. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you wish that could have been covered on this episode or any final thoughts as as we come to the conclusion of this particular episode? I guess there's a couple of things that I would like to, to outline, at least in terms of the services that we provide through Farewell From Home. Um, well, for one, while we outlined how our typical euthanasia process works, um, it, sometimes things don't always go to plan and we have to modify that plan. And we try to be as open and honest with you about that as possible. Um, sometimes injections need to be given a different route. Sometimes we have to give different drugs, but overall our goal is to make it as smooth, calm, peaceful, quiet as possible. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, no request is too weird or abnormal. We've had a fair number of owners that have been ashamed to ask for certain things. And 
And I don't want to necessarily disclose what has been requested of me because I want to keep the privacy of our clients. But I just, I want everyone to be comfortable asking those questions. Just see, I mean, we're more than happy to accommodate some sort of memorialized product or, or, or item or, or thing um, if it's within our means. We will be very honest with you. You know, if it's something that we're not capable of doing, we will let you know, but we're not going to, we're not going to shame you and we're not going to judge you for any requests that you have. Right. Absolutely. And again, that kind of goes back into the destigmatization of pet law. So thank you for that. Any final thoughts, Dr. Arvado? You good? I'm good. I think Dr. Metzler like, gave a really good response. Um, we we would, Our goal is to try to, to make this as, as comfortable as possible, and we're going to try our best to accommodate the needs or, or, or the desire that you might have. Awesome. Melissa, any final thoughts before we, we conclude this episode? Yeah, you guys mentioned um, in regards to, you know, Sometimes people being ashamed to, you know, ask for things or show their emotions. Um, I just want to say Dr. Alvarado made it really comfortable for us to even forget they were there and be able to react the way we did. I just, I remember I completely, I lost it. I was wailing loud and I forgot everybody was in there. And as well for, as for Ramon, he punched the ground <laughs> You know, again, just it was my initial response, something I regret, you know, looking back at. But that was my response. And yeah, that was your yeah, that was your natural response reaction. Yeah. Like we knew we were going to lose her. We were feeling her heartbeat and just waiting for the moment. And either way, we lost it. And so I just wanted to kind of wrap that and say that we definitely felt comfortable absolutely with that service to be absolutely. to be ourselves yeah so definitely thank you absolutely i agree with that 100 percent, melissa so that is going to be our episode that is season two episode one of destigmatize which you can find on apple podcast spotify google podcast and iHeartRadio. radio definitely stay tuned for the next episode episode 1.5 of this episode where we're going to go ahead and talk about peanuts and hazelnut stay tuned